David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez worked out together. I saw that. It didn't elicit a response from me. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand where we're, we got to really reach for topics now with nothing going on for a few months. <laughs> but man, there is something better than this guy worked out with this guy. I really had no interest even in looking at it because I just didn't really. I love Manny and Poppy. Don't get me wrong. Great players. But man, I don't care if they were bench pressing together. That's not a headline. Like today, uh, I got one that said, why the Bruins are black and gold? I don't care. Yeah, no. If, that's, if, that's if I ridiculous. cared, I, if I really cared, I would have went on Wikipedia and looked at the history and it would have taken that time to look at it. But it just. I, I get it. You're grasping at straws, but can you get a little more creative than that? What Today, what did Peyton Manning have for a mid-morning snack? And that would be headline news. If it was anything but some pistachio ice cream that he got from Tom Brady. Don't you disparage a good name of pistachio ice cream. Pistachio ice cream is really good. But probably not the kind Tom Brady eats because it's probably made with like kale and quinoa. Well, you know Peyton would make a commercial about it because he can't do anything without a commercial. So. Well... Give it a give it another year or two, and him and him and Tom will be doing commercials together. Maybe Tom are going to own Papa John's. No, Tom wouldn't eat that. He doesn't eat tomatoes. It's not in the diet. It's in the Florida diet. His new diet is going to be Papa John's and Miller Lite. So what's he going to weigh? Like three hundred pounds? No, it's Tom Brady. He'll still probably weigh like a buck forty. The man's metabolism isn't on a human level. You putting on sunglasses for three cord in Hollywood Prescott right there. He's such a moron. <laughs> that actually works out better. I like that name better. All right. Audio sounds good. You ready? Yep. All right. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. Uh, I'm Ben. Good show planned for you today. We have the Jets at doing what only the Jets can do, and that is just shooting themselves in the foot like nobody's business. Uh, Jadavion Clowney doesn't appear to want to play in Cleveland, and the Chiefs are beginning negotiations with Patrick Mahomes, and that that looks like it's going to get very interesting. Also, Scott Boris ruffling some feathers with some of the players around Major League Baseball. But first, with the 2019 NFL season in the books, we thought it'd be fun to do a top five countdown, because we love countdowns on this show, of the top second year breakout offensive players. So these are guys that could have had a a good season last year, but we really think they're going to step it up and bring it to the next level this year. And Ben, I'm going to turn it over to you, Ben, who is wearing sunglasses indoors. You can't see the video feed, but he looks like exactly what you would imagine a guy wearing sunglasses indoors looks like. Yes. Uh, put in your own put in your own words there. Uh, I won't say it because it's family friendly, but what's going on, Ben? Not much, Chris. Just here to good talk, good talk. Just here to spew some facts to you, let you know what the real top five are. No, you don't. Um, you don't spew facts. You present facts. You spew gibberish. Oh, I just assumed we were going with what you usually tell me that I'm spewing. 
Well, yeah, because that's because it, you're presenting a different angle. So, number five, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Now he got marred with injuries last year, but he was having a good season. I like where he was going. Could I have put him higher? Sure, but uh, we we understand the problem is Chucky doesn't like Derek Carr. Even though he says otherwise, we know the truth. So I can't put him any higher. In fact, I thought I thought about not having him on the list because of that factor. But the talent is there. And with a full healthy season, we could see a Pro Bowl Hunter Infro. I think that's very possible. He definitely showed a lot of flashes and a lot of talent last year. Again, like you said, the problem is Chucky doesn't trust Eric Carr. And I think that is why they brought in uh, Marcus Mariota for the backup. Marcus Mariota had some struggles in Tennessee, as we know. That's why Ryan Tannehill took over for him. But there's some talent there. Maybe Chucky thinks he can get that out of him. And if he can, then a Mariota-Renfro connection could be very, very good for, for Mr. Renfro. Uh, so we'll we'll see about that. But good pick. Not, not quite as good as mine, but solid pick. Number five, I have... Chiefs wide receiver and future Pro Bowler, Mercole Hardman. Now, you might say, Chris, as you did when I told you about him at number five, you might say, Chris, man, that Kansas City offense is so stacked. The receiver core is so stacked. How is he going to find space? Well, he's going to find space because Sammy Watkins disappears like David Copperfield half the time. He will have a great first or second game of the season, and then you won't see him again until week eight or nine. Now, I thought it was a mistake for the Chiefs to bring back Sammy Watkins, especially for the price tag, considering they were so, so strapped on a salary cap. But they decided they wanted to bring back as many people as possible from the Super Bowl team, which is fine. We'll see how that works out. I think even with that, Harmon will have opportunities when Watkins either just disappears or gets hurt, because he's had some injury issues also, or... Tyreek Hill gets hurt because Tyreek Hill, while not necessarily a fan of him off the field, on the field, he is supremely talented. He has missed some time with injuries. And when you have a guy that depends so much on speed, he pulls a hamstring, sprains an ankle. That's four to six weeks right there. That could be a nice door for a carbon to come in and really show what he can do. Because I find it hard to believe Sammy Watkins, especially with the Patrick Mahomes contract looming, will be on that roster next season. Uh, excuse me, 2021, the following season after this next year. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think Hardman is going to have a lot of opportunity this year. Even though it looks really crowded right now, he's going to be able to stand out. Personally, and I said it in my preview with the Chiefs, they should have got rid of Sammy Watkins. Agreed. It's... It's a waste of contract. It's a waste of space. He's been an inflated talent since he walked in the NFL. First round pick with Buffalo. You didn't produce there. You didn't. He just hasn't produced. So why keep him around? And then you could have actually elevated McCall Harmon's position on the wide receiver depth chart to provide you a better talent, a more secure talent, I would say. At a lower dollar value. But 
the Chiefs are going to do what the Chiefs want to do. And you want to run it back again? So be it. Problem is, is if teams are doing what you're doing, i.e. the Denver Broncos, or teams like the Baltimore Ravens improve their team dramatically, which is what I think they did, they might have closed the gap. And uh, the Chiefs didn't have to face the Ravens in the uh, playoffs. We could have a different circumstance unless for some reason Derrick Henry just gets ridden to the playoffs again. And with that said, I'm going to go into my round number four. Drew Locke, Denver Broncos starting quarterback. And I think with the fact that he had an injury at the beginning of the season, wasn't able to play until, God, what was it week 10, I think it was. Might have been a little earlier. But the Broncos realizing that Joe Flacco is hot garbage. And thusly, they did. That's New York Jets great, Joe Flacco, to you. My, my my apologies. I think he's hot garbage. But, hey, if the Jets want him, go ahead. Have some fun. Uh, Drew Locke could have been higher. Uh, it's just you're hinging a lot on K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy to – Massively produces rookies, which, by the way, I, I think they can. It's just KJ needs to work on some things as a wide receiver. And Jerry Judy is a precise route runner. It's just you got to see what the connection is going to be. Uh, and even a another second-year player in Noah Fant could help that offense. I just don't know what he's going to be. But with all these pieces – now you see how the Broncos are going to attack the Chiefs, and that's going to be run up the score and see if you can outbeat them. Yeah, I don't want to say too much on Drew Locke because uh, I think he might make an appearance on my list a little later on. So I'm going to move on to my fourth selection, who is uh, Deont- wide receiver Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, not the uh, – not the sexiest name on the list, the most well-known name, but he had a really, really good season last year, considering it was uh, musical chairs at the quarterback position for the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger's injury. Supposedly, Big Ben's back, says he's healthier than ever, and everybody says that. Every, yeah. <laughs> everybody says they're healthier than ever whenever they come back from injury, so we'll see about that, but there's no reason not to believe him till we see it. This could be the guy with Big Ben back, that Juju Smith-Schuster needs to take some attention off of him to really be the player we thought he was going to be last year with Antonio Brown gone. A lot of great players. This is no knock on Juju. Big fan of Juju and his talent. A lot of great players need that, uh, I guess, Pippin to the Jordan, if you will. Not trying to say that you know Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster were Jordan and Pippin. Just a comparison. You need a B to the A, you know, uh, uh, milk to the cookies, if you will. <laughs> so, well, Michael Irving had Alvin Harper. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, sure. it's not it's not Jordan Pippen, but yeah, and uh, Jerry for a long time had uh, what was his name Taylor, I believe it was Taylor, and then it went to To, and To kind of took over for Jerry. But you're right; the, the, there's always that peanut butter to jelly, uh, if you will, I guess. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think this offense is – it's going to be very interesting because I think you're going to see, again, just a rotation at running back. I don't think James Conner is what people th- thought he was a couple years ago. He can be good, but he has to need somebody in there to like a rotation. He can't just do it himself and be a primary back. So Big Ben's back. You got a decent running game going. You can change that up. And you got the two running backs, or excuse me, two wide receivers, and Juju, Deontay Johnson. Pittsburgh's always going to have an effective tight end. That's just, it's almost a lot at this point. I think Deontay could have a very, very nice year and could go from, you know, 600 plus yards last season to could be a thousand yard receiver with. Eight to ten touchdowns. I could really see that. So, oh, wow, that'd be. And if he has that, Juju's going to be even higher. That Pittsburgh offense could be really, really, really effective this season, and Deontay will be a big part of that. Well, I'm going to go to my wide receiver at number three, who had an absolute just dismal year, and that's Nikhil Harry. No, the Patriots wide receiver. I think Jared Stidham is going to be the starting quarterback who's not on my list as a second year player. He's going to have a breakout season because Jared Stidham is going to need to rely on him. He's going to need to have him part of the offense. This is going to be a need, not. I've seen a little bit of Nikhil Harry. I've seen a little bit of Jared Stidham in the preseason. They had a nice connection. Um, Obviously, Tom Brady and Nikhil Harry did not have a connection. Fine. Well, Tom had one foot out the door already. Bill moved on, and now he has Jared Stenham as the starting quarterback. I think it's going to be out of necessity that he's going to need to have Nikhil Harry is going to need to be a focal point of the offense because Julian Edelman cannot carry the load anymore. The two rookie tight ends, there's no way they could produce anything of what Grunk did half in his best season. And I don't know what Sony Michelle is going to produce. They have to figure out what they're doing at, at, at uh, fullback because James Devlin retired. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And I think the kill Harry is that one part that can just stay. He's a big physical receiver. He's got some speed. He's got abilities. He can back shoulder. You saw the play. Um, God, what was it? Was it the Texans where he caught that? I think it was a drag route. He caught it. He took it. It should have been a touchdown, but he just took. He was. It wasn't fast or quick, but he just. He consumed space quickly with long strides, and I just I have a feeling that uh, Bill and and. Josh are going to be like, Jared, he's got to be a part of the offense. This kid's talented. Like, Bill's not going to draft a first-round wide receiver unless he thinks he's oh, got yeah. no, talents. No. I think it's funny how you said uh, Belichick and McDaniels are going to talk to Stidham. They're not talking to Stidham. They're legends. Stidham's a second-year guy. They're going to be like, hey, Jared, you're doing this. That's a fair point. I'm just trying to be nice to the kid a little bit. I got nothing against Jared Stidham. I, I, if they have faith in him, I have faith in them. So if they believe in him, I have high hopes. I, I so wanted to put Nikhil Harry on my list, and I very nearly did. I just, without having the knowledge of the college game like you do, 
I saw so little of him. I, I, I believe in the talent. I believe in the size, the skill set. I think he's going to be great for the team. I think last year was just injuries and a bad situation where you had a Tom Brady who already had one foot out the door, knew he wasn't staying, and was just beyond frustrated. And then he had Harry come in who needed to adapt to the offense and did not have a chance to get worked into it like a guy like Sony Michelle did the previous season. And I think Nikhil Harry got a really raw deal. And I think everybody who criticized this kid last season, we need to start taking down names of people who did that because there's a lot of people who are going to need to apologize to this kid for judging him prematurely when he comes out and has a great year this upcoming season. So... So should he come out in preseason and have a big clipboard and on the back of it say the list a la Chris Jericho? I mean, as funny as that would be, Belichick ain't going to let that fly. It'd be entertaining at least. Entertaining, but you know what's entertaining to Bill Belichick? Counting Super Bowl rings. That's true. He doesn't care how many laughs he gets. He wants to count rings. So, But it would be funny. It would. Be, I would buy a replica. I would. All right, number, number three. Number three for me. Oh, man. I'm going on faith here. I'm going on faith in the player and the talent. I have no faith in the coach, and I have a little bit more faith in the quarterback. I'm talking about Bears running back David Montgomery, who should be, along with Allen Robinson, in fairness, the focal point of that Chicago Bears offense. Now that Mitch Trubisky has, you know, one foot out the door and his plane ticket half printed, and you have Nick Foles in there, I think you could finally see, well, finally, it's been one season, but I think you could see David Montgomery actually turn into the player we all know he can be. Like, this kid is, I know you're big on him. Yes. This kid is supremely talented. He can carry that offense. He can be the guy. He can be a top five running back in the league. As long as Matt, which one, which Matt coaches, uh, is it Nagy Matt, or LaFleur? I always get Chicago and Green Bay's Matt's confused. Matt Nagy in Matt. Chicago, LaFleur in. Okay, Nagy in Chicago. Gotcha. I almost said that too, but I always, I, I, I know they are, I know like, like looking at them who they are. But the names, for some reason, I always get them confused. Okay. Yeah, Matt Nagy, uh, I don't have any faith in him doing the right thing or the smart thing. I just, I, I, I believe in David Montgomery's talent so much that, put, put it this way, if it wasn't for Matt Nagy, if it was a coach that knew how to use a running back, David Montgomery would have been my number one hands down. I, I would have him on my list. Yeah. The only reason he's three for me and not one is because of Matt Nagy and the fact that despite what Matt Nagy sees on the field, he seems to absolutely refuse to use this kid the way he should. Maybe there's a reason for that. I can't think of a good one because your team sucked last year and you, you didn't seem to know how to put the right people in the right spots to make it not suck. At quarterback, you really had no choice. You were stuck with Jabisky. Other positions, you could have used other players in other ways. And how many times are we watching a game and we'd see highlights of a Bears game and be like, oh, they're getting, they're, they got to use Montgomery here. They got to use Montgomery. And they'd bring in a backup running back and run it up the middle and get nothing. And it's like, 
okay, that's the Matt Nagy special. That's fun. Sorry, Bears fans. But I'm hoping with a more competent quarterback. And that's not saying a lot because your old one was Mitchell Trubisky. But with a more competent quarterback, this kid's finally going to be able to break out. So you said all that. And the the one thing that's just been in my back of my head, how do you have print a plane ticket? Because aren't they on like PDF files pre-done? Yeah, yeah, no, it's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Oh, oh, I thought it was literal. Like, you know, maybe they printed it out. And on a, on a printer and it just like it, the ink stopped halfway through and, and now it's, or, or what? I, I didn't understand. I didn't really. I mean, get... if you were using my home printer, the ink would stop halfway through. Okay. But my printer is a piece of garbage, but. Well, maybe, maybe life experiences. That's why you, you said it. Okay. I, I agree with it's what right. you said. You can't, actually, just... you can't actually have both feet on the field and have one foot out the door too. They're just metaphors. Okay. So, but I appreciate you busting my balls on that. Well, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go above you on this one. I'm not just going to go. I have, I'm putting faith. I'm putting faith plus one. Yes. Reference there, Chris. Daniel Jones. Oh, the, the guy who said the Giants made a mistake drafting at six. I know. I said it. Some people just have to realize their mistakes. Hey, you know what? Fair enough. You, you, and, you, you and- reconciled with Tyler Lockett. I did. And we now had a, ma- now you're making good with Daniel Jones. I can respect that. I, I'm not. See, I didn't go so far over the edge with with Daniel Jones that I needed to take a piece of our time to have this kumbaya moment with with Daniel Jones that I did with Tyler. I I had to do that. That was fair. But I I will state that, that he is going to he's going to do what he did last year, and he's going to get a full season. He's going to get a full season of Saquon Barkley, a full season of of, of Darius Slayton. Uh, I'm hoping Evan Ingram has a full season, stays healthy, because that's like – I think Evan Ingram could be like the top five tight oh, end. Absolutely. Possibly top three. Absolutely. Like, he, he could take Travis Kelsey and shove him down the list. He's that good. And I think Daniel Jones is just going to facilitate the offense to what they expected when they drafted him off sixth overall. When most people said it was a mistake, including myself. Okay, well that's that, that's big of you. That's big of you to admit, and uh, I, I I do I do happen to agree he's going to be. I think if you uh, if you can get Saquon being Saquon. And everything you pretty much just said, all the pieces around him stay healthy and, and functional. Kid could have a really good year. I didn't put him on that list only because so many moving parts. But I, if there's a top ten list, he would have been there. And they drafted a tackle in the in the draft, so now they can either put him at right tackle with Solder on the left side, or or. Dare I say they push Nate Solder to the right side and put this kid on the left side. Either way, I mean, it makes it look stupid for giving uh, Nate Solder all that money. But sometimes you have to realize your mistakes and try to make the best make, of it. Yeah. Make the best of it. Yep. Other than, you know, wasting a few years with a subpar starting quarterback who you spent draft picks on to move up in the draft. 
because you thought he was the answer. Oh, Mitch Trubisky? Yes, I was talking about Mitch Yeah, Trubisky. okay. Yes, that was, that was that word was, association. That was a, that that was a word a, association. That was I forgot what game that was, but I got it either way. The slow reference around the bush to get to Mitchell Trubisky. It's a pretty quick reference. I got it as soon as you said wasted draft picks. <laughs> so who is your number two? My number two? It was is uh, your number four, the aforementioned uh-huh. Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos. Kid came in late last year, didn't get a full season in. I mean, didn't look like a stud last year, looked good, but he had some good fundamentals and he has some great talent around him. I mean, y- y- drafting Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to try to keep up with the Chiefs, like you said, it, it, it's going to be a lot to ask rookies to have the level of uh, caliber season, excuse me to compete with a, an offense like Kansas City. But then you add in, you have Philip uh, Philip Lindsay. You picked up Melvin Gordon. They're going to be a great one-two punch. They still have Royce Freeman. Although, I still stand by the fact he could be traded because they could maybe get something for him before the season starts. Uh, you have Cortland Sutton, who looked very good last year. Noah Fant at tight end. I mean, a good offensive line. And that defense is going to be sneaky. They're not the Super Bowl defense. They were from four or five years ago, but they are very talented and they got some really, really nice pieces. Everything is in place for this kid to break out and be a star in the making. I know that's asking a lot because you didn't see a lot from him last year. But if the, with the talent I just mentioned, if Drew Locke cannot be at least a top 10 quarterback this year, it's on him. It's not lack of talent. It's not lack of running game. It's not lack of offensive line. It's not lack of receiver ability. It's not uh, tight ends not being able to get the job done. We've seen the pieces around him can do the job. He's the last piece of that puzzle for them to be a really, really good team that could potentially compete with Kansas City. Potentially. That's still a tall ask. But this should absolutely be at minimum, a wild card team if this kid can keep his stuff together. So that's why I went with Drew Lockett, too. And at number one, uh, there's no, I really, really, when, when we say break, when I say, when I think breakout, Chris, I think a guy that's going to take what he did the previous year and just bust through that door and put up numbers and awards and just elevate himself from position X to position Y. That's why I went with Kyler Murray. I know he had rookie of the year. It's pretty good, pretty good all season long. He had his stumbles, but I mean, you took the Niners to the mat. You took Seattle to the mat. I mean, you did some great stuff and then you go get new Hopkins, and it's just like, okay, this, this is, this is, this is a video game. This, we're talking about a video game now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think what he's going to do is he's, he, I would say conservatively, he was top 15. He's going to be a top three quarterback this year. And he's going to fight with two, well, three other gentlemen for MVP. And that's going to be Watson, Mahomes, and Jackson. So those are your, essentially, in my opinion, your four leaders. In the in the clubhouse before the season start at MVP, 
it's going to be tough for any other position and any other player to even try to come close to those four guys with the abilities. And that's, that's taking my boy, Russell Wilson, down a little bit of a notch. Well, I think uh, – I, I do think MVP is a four-horse race, um, but I disagree with Watson. I do have your quotations, boy, Russell Wilson, as the fourth. And not having Watson in there for me is no knock on him. It's a knock on Bill O'Brien and the way he has just decimated that offense in every way he possibly can. Uh, I have all the faith in the world in Deshaun Watson as a talent and a quarterback, but his coach seems to, for some reason, be working against him constantly. So, um, And, yeah, we had a little different interpretation of breakout, which is fine because that gave us two different lists. Uh, with the exception of Drew Locke, I think our lists were entirely different. Yep. Uh, I went with guys who were just on the cusp of breaking out. I felt Kyler Murray was already there. He already is a star. He already broke out last year. Uh, but I don't disagree with anything you said as far as where he can go now that he has uh, DeAndre Hopkins and the running game is a little bit more clear. It's not as muddied up in the backfield. Kyler Murray's going to run more this year. He's going to be able to pass more this year. And I know that that's how can you run and pass more? I kind of phrased that wrong. I meant more effectively. Be able to be able to open up the run game because you have Deshaun or Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's going to stretch the field for the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to stretch the field more, along with just all the other talent they have on offense. You have Larry Fitzgerald still, who we know what he can do. We know what Hopkins can do. You're going to have to. You're not going to be able to just single up those guys. Uh, you're going to have to double up once in a while. That's going to leave other people open, have running lanes for Kyler Murray and the running backs. That Arizona offense is, you said it right, it's going to be a Madden simulator this year. It's going to be a video game. It's going to be just ridiculous. Uh, And Kyler will be in the MVP race, I believe. Absolutely. Um, But with all that said, I did have a different interpretation of what what... breakout meant so for me number one is a guy who was criminally underused last year and I think Eagles fans can agree with me when I say Miles Sanders will be the breakout star of 2020 because they saw enough last year to know what they have in him they know he's a guy they know he can run they know he, they sure as hell know he can catch. Because that's where he did most of his damage last year because they weren't using him to run enough. But we that's know he correct. can. The, uh, I almost said National League East. They got baseball on the mind. The NFC East, I'd be hard-pressed to find a better pool of running back talent than that division. Saquon Barkley with the, with the Giants. You got Zeke Elliott with the Cowboys. Um, whatever, whatever they might have, whatever they might have in Washington kind of rounds it out. But then you got Miles Sanders with the Eagles. It is not a given if they use this kid properly, that he'll be the third best running back in that division. It isn't. I think Saquon's going to be number one. I think Miles Sanders can overtake Zeke Elliott. That's the second best running back in that division. 
Uh, that's uh, that's a stretch. I don't know, man. That's if a they stretch. Use, if they a, use, if they I use don't her, trust Doug can, can Peterson. I, can, I, can, I, can I make my statement on Miles Sanders? If they use him properly, which I know is an if, but Zeke Elliott has been receiving the ball less and less. That Dallas offensive line has becoming less and less. And you're going to have a Dak Prescott who's not happy about not getting a contract extension. I'm not saying Dak won't be professional. I think he will be. But I just think all this kind of adds up to, you know what Dallas is going to be doing. They're going to be passing more because the offensive line isn't what it was. And I I just have a hunch that Miles Sanders could overtake Zeke Elliott. That's that's not saying Zeke isn't great. That's not saying they won't be the three best running backs in football. Well, okay, besides Christian McCaffrey. They won't be three of the best four running backs in football. That's just saying he could overtake them. I really believe that. I My problem is with Doug Peterson. <clears throat> My problem is with Doug Peterson. He had this mindset last year. And if you wanted me to say the first two weeks, you need to feel, feel him out. And see, I understand. It didn't take him two weeks to figure it out. It took him like seven or eight weeks to figure out. Miles Sanders is the answer, not Jordan Howard. And it took Darren Sproles getting injured and then finally retiring for them to say, we think Darren Sproles is done. You literally had to force him off the field. And then you traded Jordan Howard in the offseason. So now you realize that Miles Sanders is the answer. Maybe this will wake him up and say Miles Miles Sanders needs to be the offense because you went and got some receivers in the draft, which is great, which is exactly what you needed to do. Mm -hmm. The focal point of the offense needs to go through Miles Sanders because of the, the, the relative youth of some of the wide receivers and the fact that your quarterback is soft. That's why you need Miles Sanders to be the offense. So you can run the RPOs like you like, so that when you get Sanders out in space, he can take it for six from the, their own 40 yard line or the opponent's 35. It doesn't matter. He's that is, I will not deflate the talent of Miles Sanders. I will deflate the offensive offensive mindset of Doug Peterson wanting to have Carson Wentz be the facilitator of the offense because they've given that contract and they have to they have to condone that contract by giving him you know I don't know 500 600 passes try to get him 5000 yards passing try to make him the MVP of the league you're trying to justify a contract that I get why you did it, but now it looks like a little bit of a joke of a contract. And we'll see if that changes when the Mahomes contract comes out, because when that comes out, then Carson Wentz's contract is going to look like peanuts. I think every contract will look like peanuts when Mahomes contract comes out but that, that golf contract isn't gonna look like it's gonna look like nothing when this is done. What well, I was gonna say that, you know, as much as you may dislike Wentz's contract, uh I mean it's not nearly as bad as Jared Goff's. And and for all of Mahomes's 
supreme talent. And again, he is prodigiously talented. There's no doubt about that. Ah, man. I think... Well, you want to get into it? We're done with our top five. You want to get into Mahomes first? No, we'll go on Mahomes first. All right. Supposedly, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have entered into uh, unformal contract talks. I think that's because the Chiefs have like $12 in salary cap space. So obviously nothing's coming right now. But preliminary talks on the new contract and according to sources within the Chiefs, this contract will be unlike any other. Now, I've said since this show started and even before this, Patrick Mahomes will get the most lucrative contract in NFL history. Correct. I, I think I think I'd be shocked if it isn't. If it isn't, it's because Mahomes had the foresight to say, "If I take this contract, we won't have the money to build a team and compete," which is a concern you've brought up many times. I don't know what "unlike any other" means, but it is very funny to think about what some of those things could be. Like, unlike any other, like, like, like are they going to do like a, a Raiders with John Gruden and like throw in? You can't though. I, I know, but it's like, what, what do they mean by unlike any other? Like, that doesn't, it's not going to be unlike any other. It's just going to be more money than any other. Right. That's, 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 that's all it that's is. It. Like, stop making it sound like you're going to give them like a mansion on Mars or something. Like, it's, 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 you're just going to give them a lot more money than anybody else ever had. And we already knew that was coming. He knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. So, I mean, it's good to acknowledge it. But on the other hand, now, if you don't give him the biggest contract ever, you really backed yourself into a corner. Just because you knew what's going to happen doesn't mean you got to come out and say it. It, it. It's just... It just screams of somebody trying to... trying to put themselves out there with a statement that we all kind of know it's coming. Yep. But wants to be the first one to say, it's like, you don't need to say this. We know what Mahomes is going to get. We know what it's going to be a crazy money. The question is not how much is he going to get. The question is how much is he going to leave on the table mm-hmm. to help his team out, to make sure that he can be a viable playoff team year in and year out. Because I'll tell you this, if he signs that super deal that that sucks up Let's say, what, is it, what do we say? Matt Ryan's taking up 18%, I think it was. Yeah, real high percentage. Okay, so, what if he takes up 20%? Well, say goodbye to Travis Kelsey, maybe, or Tyreek Hill. Chris Jones ain't getting his contract, and he's he hasn't even signed his franchise tag, much less getting a contract extension. And you think he's going to take less money? Not a chance. There's not a chance. No, no way. And when, when Damian Williams actually gets a contract offer in a year that he's a, a, a UFA, he is a running back. They need to cash in as much as they can because their lifespan is about three, three and a half years, where Patrick Mahomes could feasibly play another 10, 15 years. And I'm just thinking on the low end because Tom is – Tom is kind of blowing that out of the water. So I said it before, Mahomes needs to really dig deep and think what he wants to do. 
because you see what Denver is building. And that could be sustainable for the next four years. And now you're, now you're, you're fighting tooth and nail each week to try to win your division, maybe, but be like the third seed or the fourth seed. Well, actually, the second seed is a big deal now because it's only one um, one bye week in each conference. So, oh, is that that goes into effect this season? I think it goes into effect yeah. this season. So, I'm telling you, Mahomes, I, I get, I get what you want to do. You want to set the market. You want to be that guy. You want to. I want to set the market. If this was Lamar Jackson, I would say go for it, because Lamar, unless you develop your passing skills incrementally each and every year, your lifespan is going to be short. And that's no knock on him. He's no. extremely talented, but Mahomes has got a more passing repertoire in his tool bag than Lamar Jackson at this point. So I just feel like Patrick, you got to take a little less to help your team out. And I'm not saying the owners, no, not the owner, not that, not helping the GM out. You're not helping the coach out. Although you probably love the coach. I'm, I'm sure you're helping your teammates out. Like, like keeping this nucleus together is what you're doing. I think, unfortunately what's going to happen though, is what we're seeing and the chiefs want to keep Hence, signing Sammy Watkins uh, or picking up his option, re-signing, whatever it was. I think it was an option. It was like $14 million. There's no way Sammy Watkins is worth that money. Not when you have McCall Hardman, who will be the fifth best breakout player of 2020. Um, but I, we all, like I said, we all knew this was coming. We know it's going to be a massive contract. We get it. Star quarterbacks make bank they make huge money that's not a surprise but to come out and say it's going to be unlike any other you have backed yourself into a corner because there's nothing you can give him that's unique to make it unlike any other other than like obviously i was joking when i said you know oh stake in the team obviously you can't do that for a player it doesn't make any sense that's not that's not something you can do but there's nothing else you can do Besides more money, maybe, you know, um, better hotel accommodations when they're on away games or whatever. Like, that stuff's all worked in the contracts. That stuff's all pretty damn good to begin with. All you all you can do to make this unlike any other is throw an obscene amount of money at them. I mean, I saw estimates that this was going to be a $50 million a year contract. But it doesn't surprise us. No, because the way the Chiefs have been talking the entire time is they're just gonna they're just gonna blow out whatever anybody else could offer him out of the water, and that just doesn't make any sense. Because nobody, nobody would give him. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. There's some teams that'll probably give him fifty million just to sell tickets, but it just does not make sense because, it, like you said. If you sign him to this deal, he's going into his fourth year now, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I believe they've already picked up the fifth. They already picked up fifth year option, obviously. Yes. So, whatever they give him is not going to affect this year. It's not going to the season coming up in twenty twenty. It's not going to affect twenty twenty one. It'll start in twenty twenty two. Okay. 
So you better get your winning in before 2022 because it's going to start to get really ugly after that if you give him $50 million a season. That is madness because then you're talking a guarantee. If you're talking, it's going to be a 10-year deal, 8- to 10-year deal, $50 million a season. You're talking a four to $500 million contract. You're talking it's going to be two. 250 to 275, it'll be fully guaranteed. That's insanity. That's the only thing you could do to make it unlike any other. Instead of just shutting your mouth and stop and not trying to play to your fan base, let them be happy about their Super Bowl. Let them know they have an outstanding quarterback and a damn good team that's well coached with good ownership. Let them just. Be happy with that. And then when the extension comes out, they'll know they have their guy for the next decade. Instead of that, you got to come out and you got to play to the fans and you got to play to the media and you got to be, you know, you got to be out there, you know, making it rain with all your contract money. Say, we're going to make this unlike anything else. It's stupid. It's going to hurt your team. I was thinking we could. Slide adjust to another gentleman that's that's trying to get his money and he's not really not really getting it. Oh, you got to be talking about Jadavion Clowney. I am talking about Jadavion Clowney because he kind of he kind of missed the mark a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. I mean, if you ask Jadavion Clowney, he has multiple offers out there that are super lucrative, and he's just making up his mind. So why hasn't he? So, so that's it. That's the only reason why he hasn't signed is he's making up his mind. That's it. He's just apparently he's got pen and paper out breaking down pros and cons. I, can I, can I guess. Can I, I call? Know. Can I call bullshit on that? Oh, I, absolutely. I would hope you would. I'm anybody anybody you, with any kind of knowledge would call bullshit on that. I mean, he he's he misread the market. Is simple fact. He's here's his problems. He's injury prone, and his stats can be really good. When he wants to play. Yeah. This has been a problem since year two at South Carolina. He made one huge play against Michigan where he blew up Denard Robinson. And that entire year, he rode that one play. Now, he had great stats, but he have them in certain games. The guy just shows up when he wants to show up. Why do you think Houston's traded him? Now, I have a problem with what they traded him for, but why do you think they traded him? Because he's just not going to be there when you need him. He's not consistent year, day, day in, day out. Like, J.J. Watt is consistent. He's not as talented as J.B. and Clowney, but he's consistent week in and week out. You don't out. think so? Who? You don't think pure talent, J.J. Watt's not as talented as J.B. and Clowney? No. Oh, wow. Javian okay. Clowney is far and away more athletically talented than J.J. Watt. That is that is not even a discussion that he had. It's well, it's, it is a discussion. I have a different opinion. It, it's, it's a discussion. That's what we do here. It's a podcast. Javian Clowney is is supremely talented. He he makes plays that no other person, short of uh, Reggie White, can make as far as the defensive end position. I mean, I would Javian Clowney. Reggie White and, and LT, like they have a lot of the abilities coming off the edge. The problem is, is Jadavian has not even a minute amount of, uh, of a motor, if you will. 
I, I guess that's a, a you know thinking of a Madden terminology. It, uh, um, it doesn't have the high motor that you want, or even a motor. Period. Like it's like I'm not a car person, so I screw up any car reference. But think of the best car you like a Ferrari, and and taking a, a a VW Beetle engine and putting it in that. I guess would that make sense? I sure. Don't know if you're more. I, I don't know. I'm not a car person, so maybe you're a little bit more of a car person. What you're saying is you got a guy who doesn't play up to his own talent level, right? He he's does. not only injury injury prone; he's lack of effort prone, also. Yes, yeah. a thousand percent. Which is why he's not going to get a con- not going to get the contract. He no. thinks no. his talent, like Yannick and Jaku, is going to get the contract he wants when the time comes because he's a third round pick that made himself into. A, the top three pass rusher in the league. Jadavion Doesn't Clowney, take plays off. Yeah. yeah. Jadavion Clowney has never been the top 10 pass rusher in his own conference, much less the league. It's a sad waste of talent. And that was the biggest red flag coming out of South Carolina was, you know, I think he played like two or three weeks in his junior year. And then he got a certain kind of injury, uh, probably a microfracture. And he took the rest of the year off because he didn't want to get injured anymore and he wanted to risk it. Yet he was still a high, high first round pick. He's just he's just misread the market completely, and he doesn't want to go back to Seattle because he doesn't want to tuck his tail between his leg and walk back to Seattle with less money. Well, my my only thing because. When you tell me I can't make an argument, the first thing I want to do is make an argument. Is uh, I, I understand what you're saying with you're talking about just pure athletic ability. Clowney is yes. more athletic than Watt. I get that. For me, that takes a major hit when you're comparing him to a guy like JJ Watt, who has one of the highest motors you will ever see, and just busts his ass on every single play, and is a tremendous talent and a, and a damn fine human being, also. And then you got a guy like Clowney, and I, I don't know anything about Clowney's, you know, uh, personality or what he's like. So I, I, there's no bearing on that. He could be a great guy for all I know. But on the field, it, it takes away from the, the the greatness people try to claim you have if you don't put maximum effort forward, because then you wonder, okay, anybody can put a hundred percent of effort in twenty percent of the time and look pretty good, right? The guys who really impress me are the guys like J.J. Watt, or it's apparently anybody in the Watt family, because that just that that's a hell of a football bloodline right there. That put forward a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. So that, that's my only argument there is it, it's. But I get what you're saying but, um, as far as the pure athletic ability. You're not comparing their their numbers or stats. You're just saying as far as just the pure ability. Yes, but I, I have a problem with the effort side of it. But no, the whole the whole reason Clowney came up was because apparently he got a very lucrative offer from the Cleveland Browns. And uh, there aren't any numbers on this out there. It was just said to be a lucrative offer that was multi-year. And apparently, old Jadavian thinks he's worth quite a bit more than that because he straight up turned it down. And the Browns had said they are interested in negotiating with him. They'd still like to bring him in. Supposedly, Jadavian said he's ready to sign. He's ready to be a part of an organization. 
He wants to give 110% from this point forward, trying to say all the right things. The problem is you haven't shown that on the field in the past. And you have a history, an injury history and a lack of effort history. And then you go out and you tell teams, you have the balls after that to tell teams, you want $20 million a season. And then, oh, in a gesture of good faith, you lower your asking price to 17 or $18 million per season. What a guy. If this guy wants that kind of money, he's going to have to go on a one-year prove-it deal, which apparently is what he's considering. So instead of signing with Cleveland long-term for, I would probably guess he signed this from 14 to $15 million a year for four or five years is probably what the offer is. I don't know that, I'm guessing. He wants more. He wants that five-year, $100 million deal. He thinks he's worth it, and he's not worth anything near that, just based on effort. Not talent, effort. I, I I don't know what this guy's waiting for. He's going to get to the point where the market dries up. Because no one's going to go out week one or week two to a guy who hasn't been able to work out of facilities, to a guy who has shown lack of effort in the past, and go out week one or week two and spend that kind of money on him long term. It's going to have to be a big one-year deal to a team that has a need. But he'd be in a great spot at Cleveland. Him on one end, Miles Garrett on the other end, for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. with some good players in that secondary, an offense that's up and coming, a Baker Mayfield that apparently is, is very focused because he's cutting down a lot of the BS he had the first two off seasons. Cleveland would be a great place for him to go. A passionate fan base that really gives a damn. But for some reason, he doesn't want that. So he always goes back down and sign with Houston and I Bill O'Brien trade you for a fifth round pick. I just I just want it noted, and it's already been recorded. I had a uh, old 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 Jadavian Clowney going to Cleveland. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. The, the money's not going to be there, though. I just, I'll just say that the contract I I said it was going to be, eh, that's not going to be it. But but I had him going there. But yeah, uh, well, if Bill Billio signed him again, he wouldn't trade him for a fifth. He he'd trade him for a seventh. Pro- oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The, the depressed value, you know, just just. The overall appearance of everything, you know, just just the depreciation over the years just brings down that value just that much. It's the Billy O pay scale. But there is a player that we've talked about before that I want to bring up. Jamal Adams. I mean, what is go what I, I get the atmosphere we're in right now, but is it really that hard for the Jets to sign a guy that wants to be on the team? Is it really that hard? Dude, they can't get out of their own way. They are, they are the masters of shooting themselves in the foot. They cannot get out of their own way. This guy wants to be there. He said as much. He is as talented a safety as you will find in football. He's young. He, he, he's intelligent. And the Jets not only don't know how to resign him without pissing him off, they tried to trade him last season, which pissed him off and he still wants to be on the team and he's still he still worked out those differences like you said and wants to be on the team but the jets cannot get out of their own way they are their own worst enemy and what do they do what's their move they bring in joe flacco to back up sam darnold because they think that joe flacco is the backup that sam darnold needs to really teach him the last thing i want anybody doing is trusting anything Joe Flacco says. Because that guy would have to improve just to suck. 
Sorry, I had to step away from the mic for a second. I wanted to let you have your moment. I, Dude, I, I could have gone on and on. I've just I, people have heard me on Flacco enough. Like, yeah, I, it's yeah. I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to take over the segment with Joe Flacco, but he is an abomination at the quarterback position. And and the 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 excellent part is, Chris, you have no concerns about having to have that kumbaya moment with Joe Flacco because he's just he's at that point in his career he's just so terrible that you won't have to take it back because there's no way he can get to a, a, a marginal level as a quarterback to require that. He barely got there when he wasn't old. Yeah, see, you're in a good shape. See, you picked the right players to trash. Yep. Me, I, I, I'm a little bit of a rogue, and then I have to back I have to backtrack just a little bit sometimes. Here's the thing, though. I... I, I, I even players that can be accused of trashing, like, oh, I've been hard on Baker Mayfield. I'm hard on Baker Mayfield because I think he should have been doing the previous two offseasons what he's actually doing this offseason, and that's focusing on football, not so much on uh, appearances and uh, interviews and everything like that. Baker Mayfield could be, a, a, could be the stud franchise quarterback that the Browns need. He is that talented. But he was getting in his own way. And he he's, seems to have realized that and says, okay, I'm going to pull it back in. I'm focusing on the game. I'm going to study the playbook. I'm going to know what I'm doing. I'm going to be more prepared for this season than ever before. He has talent. Joe Flacco didn't. <laughs> I mean, he had some talent. Not, not, okay. First of, all, any, first of all, anybody who can play in the NFL right. has more talent than most people at playing football could even imagine. So if you're an NFL player, even if you're a third or fourth stringer or a practice squad player, you are still the absolute best that some area could produce. You you have talent. But Joe Flacco was never, ever, ever close to what everyone else tried to paint him to be. He made a massive amount of money off the talent of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, that Baltimore defense, and guys around him who made plays. And look, a lot of players do. The first couple Super Bowls Tom Brady won, Tom Brady was really good, but a lot of that was defense. Defense, special teams. I openly admit that. And Corey Dillon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just that, but I mean, it was a big part of it. It wasn't necessarily Tom Brady. He wasn't the guy in the beginning of his career. He became the stat monster. He became, I don't know, years like six through 16. I would say seven through 16. Yeah. Okay. But either way, like six was that Joe Flacco was always a guy who had high level backup quarterback talent, who was just praised. Because you'd get Ed Reed and, and, and uh, Ray Lewis turning the ball over on a five-yard line, and Joe Flacco would have to throw a five-yard pass, which usually took him four attempts. <laughs> and it's, oh, Joe, oh Raven, the Ravens won by 30. Yeah, when you got a secondary that's picking off two passes a game and running them back, of course. I just, uh, I, I'm going to stop because I can go all day on Joe Flacco. I just... And we were supposed to be talking about Jamal. Overrated from day one. But you said Joe Flacco, dude, and you know... You know how that's going to end up. So, 
Well, you, 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 you brought up Joe Flacco. First. I did. I did. You're right. Yeah, that was I me. Mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I put out the obvious. I, I will end with Jamal. Uh, this is, this will be a cataclysmic mistake by the Jets if they just trade him. Oh, it'd be terrible. They'll get value, but it's the wrong message to send, especially when they, when they in the future, finally decide to give Sam Darnold a contract. It'll be an inflated contract. It won't be worth it. It'll be a huge mistake, and it'll just point out the hypocrisy of the New York Jets, where they'll pay a guy who is meh, who's not really a star. He's just an average quarterback, and they're going to overpay for him when they could have had this potential superstar safety who – I think is a game changer and could realistically, if he, if he's invested full on this year and their offense is competent, could rival, could, could challenge all the teams in the division. Like this is, this is the most wide open the division has been in the better part of two decades. And you're screwing up your best player on defense because you want to nickel and dime him. Big mistake. And only only one correction I, I have. I think you were off base. Jamal Adams is not a potential superstar. Jamal Adams is an established superstar. My apologies. He is already at that level. He is that guy. He's that damn good already. And they are royally screwing up their team and screwing over their fans if they cannot get this done without angering him to the point he just wants to walk away. They need to have that offense decent and flowing so that you could have your defense disrupt cause mayhem. This could put Jamal Adams in a position where he is thought of as defensive player of the year because he can make those plays. He can change the complexion of a game, but you can't do that. If your team's turn, if you're all, your quarterback's throwing three interceptions and one of them's taken back for six, it just doesn't work that way. If your offensive line isn't blocking for probably one of the best running backs in the league, and he's doing, he's getting 15 carries for 55 yards and no touchdowns and three catches for six yards. When Le'Veon Bell was like, can just click off yards like nobody else. And he has such a, a way of running the ball that is unique only to him and you're just wasting his talent too and they have no wide receivers by the way and they let Robbie Anderson walk because they can't use him and and unfortunately yeah opportunity I know they drafted a tackle and they love him and he's a, a road grader and all that you had an opportunity to draft talented wide receivers and I think they went deeper into the draft and got talent uh got wide receivers you still had an opportunity to get upper echelon receivers to pair with your supposed franchise quarterback and his tight end who he thinks is makes them unbeatable. I know I keep hammering that point in every two or three months, but that's a quote I'd like to make sure we continue to relive of, of from one Sam Darnold that he thinks they would be unbeatable with his tight end. Just my thoughts. Yeah, I don't know what it is about this team, man. And I, I know I'm a Patriots fan, and we, we've enjoyed taking shots at the Jets, but uh, honestly, as a football fan, 
you look at this team and you go, what is it about this team? Is it ownership? Is it something in the water? Is it the fact they're confused because they're a New York team that plays in New Jersey? I, 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 the Giants do it too, and the Giants seem to be able to put stuff together and, and you know rebuild the team after falling apart a little bit. What is it about the Jets? They just cannot get out of their own way. I don't get it. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's move on. because we Again, this could be a four-hour episode if we break down all the Jets inadequacies. That is true. So, I want a baseball news. The owners uh, apparently presented a, another revised edition of their restart plan to the players, which was unceremoniously denied, to say the least. Was it the pay? Was it the increased pay cuts or the pay scale that pissed off the? Players? I think it was a lot. It's it, essentially it's it's we're not going to give you anything you want. We're going to continue to pay you less. And look, say what you want about money in sports. We all know it's ridiculous. Um, but I mean, these are contracts that were signed. Uh, a, a pay cut has already been agreed upon, and now the owners, because they didn't do their due diligence on all possibilities, want to cut the players' pay again. And the players seem to be at a point where they're just like, forget it. Like, don't worry about it. Don't pay us nothing. We'll come back in 2021. It's, it's you know. And apparently some outside influences are trying to get involved and persuade players. One of your favorite people. Oh, yes. Super it, agent, Scott Boris. who freaking gem. Is, uh, I mean... Just every every stereotype of an agent, of a super agent you can have. I mean, every time you see this guy, he's got four cell phones going at once, it seems. He's, he's represents the biggest and the best players and makes a ton of money off of them. Apparently, though, he's kind of, in, in some players' eyes, encroaching on territory he does not belong in. He has been emailing players that he does and players he does not represent saying... Yes. Don't bail out the owners. Don't give them a pay cut. Now, we all know the reason here is not Scott Boris's love and affection for the players and, and, and them getting treated right. It's if the players accept the sliding pay scale, good old Scott Boris makes a lot less money, too. That's correct. Well, uh, one of our favorite, uh, apparently, uh, uh, people on the show, uh, Mr. Trevor Bauer, <laughs> has taken exception to Boris. And to Trevor Bauer's credit, he answered it, as far as I saw, answered the potential claims that Scott Boris was interfering. Would you like me to read the tweet, Chris? Uh, if it's the same one I, I read, then yes. Uh, on May 27th? I believe it was yesterday, yeah. Hearing a lot, and lot is capitalized, of rumors about a certain player agent meddling in MLBPA affairs, if true. And at this point, these are only rumors. I have not, I have one thing to say. Scott Boris, rep your clients however you want to, but keep your damn personal agenda out of the union business. Uh, and, when I say Trevor Bauer is a favorite of the show, I don't say that sarcastically. This guy is a gem, and I, for one, am going to put an amendment forward that Trevor Bauer should just be the face on all of our money, all of our currency. 
That's fair. And, and, and Bauer we trust. I just I love this guy. If I don't ever see him on the field again, I don't care as long as he just keeps tweeting. Because he, yeah. you always know what he's thinking, for better or worse. He doesn't hide. He doesn't BS. He doesn't play politics. It doesn't matter if it's with the uh, baseball commissioner, if it's with a super agent. He doesn't care. He goes right at the most powerful people in the game, and he's like, yeah, I don't like you. Here's my little yeah. finger. What are you going to do about it? And I'll add a little tidbit. Now, in the tweet, the original tweet, he doesn't add anybody. Yeah, he doesn't add anybody. It's like he doesn't, you know, you know, nothing gets in front of, you know, anybody to say. And I guess he may have got a, a comment on his original tweet informing him that Scott Boris has a Twitter account. So then <clears throat> Tor Bauer then proceeds to um, retweet his uh, own tweet with uh, didn't know that he had a Twitter account. Now that I know, comma, at Boris Corp. <laughs> I love this guy. So he wanted to I make sure guy. Scott Boris saw yep. what he said. He's not scared. He ain't going to hide. No, he's not scared. And can I add a little bit of a, before we started, actually before you even, um, Started talking today. I, I was strolling through Trevor, Trevor Bauer's Twitter Twitter feed, which, by the way, it, it is just a Trevor trove of just a Trevor trove. That was not on purpose, but I'll take it. Freudian slip, but a good one. Uh, but it, uh, it, it, it just going through it was just just beautiful beautifulness. And apparently he does a video for YouTube called Live at Bat. You heard of this? I have not. It's very interesting. He gets together with some baseball players, minor leaguers, major leaguers, ex-major leaguers. uh, And they just do BP. I would suggest you go watch the one. uh, It is uh, the second time that him and uh, Brian Dietrich. Yeah, Brian Dietrich. Derek Dietrich, sorry. Uh, go head to head. At the beginning of the uh, episode, when they when they um they do an ad read, uh, they did an ad read for the Houston Astros. Oh and my it's, god! It's, I have to. Oh, that's that's it, amazing. I have to, I have to check fun. that out. And throughout the entire episode, he he has his little digs at the Astros. It is comical. And even Dietrich has a few uh, few zingers at the Astros as well. Uh, it is pretty funny. That one's pretty funny. Uh, the ones before them, they're entertaining. You get different um, people from different organizations, even minor leaguers, uh, going toe-to-toe with Trevor Bauer. It's, it's entertaining content. I'll give them that. Um, you can get it on his Twitter handle, um, Actually, uh, I follow him and our podcast follows him, but it's at Bauer Outage on Twitter. So his he posts the videos up there, and then he also has uh, longer length ones on YouTube. It's it's entertaining. I just found it today, and it's I I'll be hooked. Personally. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. If you know What's the event. If you know Trevor Bauer and he's not been tight-lipped about the Houston Astros uh, cheating scandal, it's some good stuff there. It's really good stuff there. I found it funny. If you're an Astros fan, you're not going to find it funny, just so you know. You might not want to watch it, just as a reference point. 
yeah, that's fair enough. Little disclaimer there. But I, I also I also don't disagree at all with with what he said to Boris because I mean you can have your opinion about Boris one way or the other. The man does his job phenomenally well. So I mean that's that's at the end of the day it comes down to that. But I do agree with Bauer. This is all Boris's agenda because if the players he represents make less money, that means he also makes less money. And sure. if he, he has every right to advise his players. And I mean, he's not even actually breaking any rules because apparently this was all a rumor and then it was confirmed by some players that he did in fact email players to tell them don't bail out the owners. Players he did not even represent, which I don't believe there's any rule against that, but it's really bad form and it's going to piss a lot of players off because it's kind of the players union is kind of something you you don't meddle with. You let them do their thing and then afterwards they kind of discuss it with with their agents and what happened. He's kind of treading in territory that he's not supposed to be in. Uh, Those unwritten rules, those kind of things. And the guy like Trevor Bauer is going to call him out on that, and he did. And again, I thought, I didn't actually see the revised tweet. I actually saw it before he had tagged Scott Boris, and I was wondering why he didn't tag Scott Boris. Because I don't know Trevor Bauer to be afraid to speak his mind to anybody. I mean, he was... Uh, tweeting and tagging the baseball commissioner. Yes. Uh, when he was calling him out and essentially saying he was horrible at his job and had no fear. So I didn't see why he was afraid of Boris, uh, but that makes sense if he didn't know there was a Twitter account. And I just love the fact that as soon as he found out, he's like, oh, my bad. Here you go, Scott. Read this. I mean, this guy, like I said, he should be the new face on our currency. He's he's brilliant. He's better than Superman. He's, uh, yeah. I would say, Chris, it, it... If the emails went out to just his agents, that's fine. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. I would say if they went out to all players, and it doesn't really, in the uh, ESPN.com column, it doesn't really specify if it went to the other MLB players. It seems like it intimates just going to his agents. If it went to other other players, that that is that is a no-no. You, I don't believe you can do that. Um, but if it's just his agents, I mean, it's just his agents. I find it funny that when pressed by, uh, I'm going to say it was probably the Associated Press, but it could have been ESPN. They would not give a, uh, Scott Boris would not give a comment. That's not, that's not. I know it's not surprising. not really surprising. Boris kind of, but, he doesn't really get out there and really, nego- uh, you know, get involved with battles back and forth. If you want to stick your nose somewhere where a play, maybe Trevor Bauer knows some stuff. Trevor Bauer knows some stuff more than we're going to know. If he feels like Scott Boris is, is sticking his, his nose somewhere where it shouldn't belong. That I think may have kind of forced Trevor Bauer to put that tweet out. Where's Scott Boris? I, I, I honestly, I know it's not going to result in anything good, but it just, it puts it puts him in a power it puts Troy Bauer in a power position to kind of be like a force that a lot of fans are gonna appreciate because we're not we're not Reds fans and we're not Indians fans or Diamondbacks fans, which is three teams he's played for. I love the guy. Oh, I, absolutely. And um 
I, I've read, uh, I believe it was Bleacher Report. I've read an article saying that, and think whatever you want about Bleacher Report. That's fine. I mean, I, I'm not saying they their word is gospel, but I did read an article saying that there were several non-Boris agents or players who were not did not have him as an agent who said that he did, in fact, contact them via email. But now you have conflicting. You read one that said he, he may not have. I read one that said he did. So we don't actually know. We don't have any inside knowledge. We only know what we read. But it would appear from Bauer's reaction that he kind of heard some stuff from some reliable sources that made him think it was a possibility. So I like his reaction. Again, I mean, we're going to have to make our worship of Trevor Bauer a segment like our knocking of Bill O'Brien. So the show's getting pretty full every week as it is. But um, yeah, I like it. I like I like players who don't. I mean, I can appreciate guys like Mike Trout who try to say all the right things and do all the right things. But I also like those guys who are scrappy and just say what's on their mind and don't really care. Like, I I, I have a lot of respect for that. And those are the kind of those are the players I gravitate to and really root for because I want to know what you think. You're still a human being. You still have emotions. Just because you got a lot of dollar signs or a lot of zeros attached to your paycheck doesn't mean you give up your right to an opinion. So, I like it. Big fan of him, and uh, I just, I just hope he keeps it coming. And he and he's trying to create content where there's no content, which is the biggest thing, is he's trying to make his sport stay relevant. Like if there were more players like Trevor Bauer. Oh yeah. Not not saying you need to be outspoken in that. I'm saying you're trying to get content out there. You're trying to make your sport more relevant, more interesting. That's that's what your sports should try to be doing, especially in a time like this where your mm-hmm. sport is dead. And when I mean dead, I mean I mean nothing's going on right now. Let me specify that. I understand where we're at on. It's good to say. I gotta get I gotta get my gavel out. No, we we're, have we're, round two. we're we're referring to as there's nothing going on as far as the sport. Much All like right, right now, right now the NBA is dead, and so is NHL. But your sport being dead, you're trying to do stuff to make sure that it is, is still in the relevant eye of the public. Much like the NBA tried to do some stuff. Um, you can call it successful or not, but they tried to do some stuff. And yeah, the now, effort was there. They tried. Yeah. Right. And uh, NHL, I don't see really anything from them trying to do anything. But now you're looking at those two sports. You can see, you can see where those are going to come back. There, there's, there's no hope for the MLB. They're, they're just going to fight this money thing until probably the end of July, and then they're just going to say that's enough. We're not, yeah, we're I don't, I don't, I don't think we have a baseball season this year. I really don't. I thought at the beginning, I, I thought we would. I think they would be, they would be, yeah. be agreed upon right now and start in two weeks and not have much of a spring training to, and they're going to want a spring train. They're going to want a couple weeks of spring training. So now you're looking at the end of June. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. I'll say this to our baseball fans out there who are really, really looking for some baseball content. Uh, And I, I mean this seriously, there's no joke here. I believe Korean League Baseball is still airing on ESPN, and they're, I believe it's by and large the same rule book. 
And there's some a lot of really talented players there, a lot of under the radar guys. So if you're really hurting for baseball that bad, check that out. And oh. maybe you'll maybe you'll see uh you know, you'll get a little bit of a culture culture exposure. So And I ascribe go to Bauer outage and, and just whatever he throws up, the man is just a content machine. All right, well now that we've done with our Trevor Bauer segment of the show, I think it's time to get out of here. Yeah. So as always, if you have any comments or questions or opinions for Ben or I, always feel free to get in touch with us. And Ben, where can they do that? Oh, they hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or they can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS Pod. All right, everybody. We greatly appreciate you listening, as always. And hope everybody is staying safe and healthy out there. Cannot believe it has already been 67 episodes. But we thank you all for listening and coming with us on this ride. And we're going to keep the content coming. And we will see you all right back here Tuesday morning. Thank you.